call to worship this morning is from the 47th Psalm, <laughs> reading verse 6 and 7. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing me praises with understanding. Challenge 
Some people are very talented and need some money. They seem to have an adequate, careful investment in financial growth and consequently prosper. Of course, most of the time behind this is a solid dedication to career education and strong discipline. And then there's Jack Wilson. The West Virginia businessman who won the Powerball lottery jackpot in 2002, a $135 million. Sadly, this powerball became a lot of misery. He was constantly getting robbed. His wife divorced him, and soon the money was squandered and gone. It is reported that he still dreams of winning the lottery again and spends $600 every week on lottery game. Whatever our financial standard, God holds us accountable for the use of our money. A wise steward always puts, puts God first in the financial planning. And first things first means that the Lord's part, the tithe, is the topmost item on the list of obligations. Did we say obligations? No, it is rather than a privilege and a joy to return grateful time and give generous additional offerings. Let's put the Lord to the test today help support this work in our local colleagues. Please join me as we pray. Our Father, we thank you and we praise you for your work that you've given us. And truly it is our privilege. And so now I pray that you would bless the offering that is being collected here today, not only here but around the United States and North America and our church. We pray, Lord, that these offerings collected would honor you and whatever means you call them to be used. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless us and continue to be faithful in our giving. We pray and ask us in Jesus' name.
that golfer during this time. The offer goes to support our church school, but I think you heard in the announcements if you were here early and heard that uh, we're on the way for our school game started. And the first day of school is August 14, 2018. It's on a Tuesday. So as the children are coming around, they'll be collecting the offer. We'd like to thank you because it's an important part of their budget every year. So thank you for your giving. Tommy was getting a little, little scared. 
And his mom and his dad were saying, don't be scared, everything's fine. So they were talking, so dad goes, well, I'm going to go out one more time and take my shovel, and I'm going to get the mud out the, the, uh, from the wheels so we can keep going. Well, it was still raining, cats and dogs. I know you've heard that expression before, but it was raining so hard that he could not move that mud. So he got back in the truck and he said, well, at least we have somewhere to sleep tonight. We can go get in our trailer. Well, they're on this country road. It's all muddy. And Tommy started, he's getting a little worried. And they got in the trailer, and Mom and Dad, they were exhausted, so they went right to sleep. But not Tommy. Tommy was really scared. And the only thing he could think about was to pray. So he closed his eyes, folded his hands, and he says, Jesus, please push us out of the mud. And he kept saying that, Jesus, please push, push us out of the mud. Well, he got some sleep and he woke up, and when he woke up, he'd say that prayer again, and then he'd go back to sleep. And finally, it was the morning time. And so Dad stopped raining up through the night. It wasn't raining anymore. So Dad got out and he was clearing the mud. It was a little bit easier for him to clear the mud from the wheels. And Tommy, he just was worried all night long because he thought somebody might run into the trailer and they'd all get hurt. So uh, Tommy was still praying, through Jesus, please push us out of the mud. All of a sudden, this farmer and his wagon, and he had his horses pulling the wagon. And he said, you need some help? And Daddy said, we sure do. So they hooked up the, the truck uh, to the um, wagon, and they, the, the horses were trying with all their might to get him out. The horses, there's two horses, and I guess that's where we call them horsepower. But um, there was two horses, and they just struggled and struggled, and finally broke free from the mud. And Tommy was like, Oh, thank goodness. Thank you, dear Jesus. So they got up there, uh, back on the highway, they went home. But you know, that, that incident, that little part of their vacation, stayed with Tommy. He's 12 years old now, and you know what he still does? In his nightly prayers, he says, thank you, dear Jesus, for pushing us out of the mud. And he's 12 years old. That happened eight years ago. But it was an answer to his prayer, and he will never forget it. And when he sits down for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know what he says? What do you think he says? He first he says, God bless the food, and then he says, Dear Jesus, thank you for pushing us out of the mud. His prayer was answered, and he will never forget that. So prayers are very important. If you have something that's bothering you or somebody's not feeling well, all you have to do is say, Dear Jesus, please help this person, and hopefully your, your prayer will be answered, just like Thomas was. Now y'all can go back to your seats.
And so far as possible, I now invite you to join me in praise. Our most gracious and heavenly Father, we encounter the true privilege to come before you this morning, bringing our praise and our requests. For we know that your presence is here with us today in the spirit that you have given to us. And so we pray for all of the people for whom special requests have been made here and ones who need it but have not uh, perhaps had the opportunity. But we know that there are those who are physically ill, or spiritually ill, and we pray that you will, by your Holy Spirit, accord them the necessary blessings. We know that this church is a worldwide work, and we pray for our mission uh, services throughout the world, many operating under far less favorable consequences than we are privileged to enjoy here today. So we thank you for your blessings to us here. We pray that you will be with the pastor as he continues to uh, bring us messages from our high and that you will be with us the rest of this day. We pray it all in the loving name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.
sa inspiration by our young people. Thank you, Sister Graham, for leading out like that. I want to give you a special invitation to stay by after the worship service for our fellowship lunch today. I know Brother Eldon thinks that his is the most famous, but uh, I brought my famous special Caleb today. It seems as though we have started a holy war here. <laughs> And I can say in advance, who's going to win this war? <laughs> we are, right, as we enjoy together. So I hope you will stay by for our fellowship lunch. Then I want to especially give you an invitation, church members, to be here Wednesday evening for our first business meeting. It's imperative that you be here as we vote on our upcoming church budget for this new year. Would you bow your hearts together with me in prayer? Father, our hearts are filled with joy and praise for Jesus, who left all the beauty and bounty of heaven, and condescended to this wretched and vile birth to become a servant, to become poor, that we might become rich in your amazing grace. We thank you for every man and woman and young person down to the years who have served here at this place and made a contribution to your kingdom. And as we are embarking upon this new term of service, I am offering myself as a vessel of pressing you into your hands as I share this pertinent message for today. Please cleanse me with the washing of the blood of your new son. And please anoint with the power of your sweet Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. Because this bright pray, and praises for victories I give in Christ's name, amen. amen. We're looking at service, our grand privilege. If you will go to the dictionary, you will discover that the word privilege has a number of definitions. And as we look at today's subject, we are going to be looking at privilege in the context of the following definition projected behind me. An opportunity to do something special. An opportunity to do something enjoyable. Our church family here at University Parkway has selected persons to be a part of our ministry team. And as we embark upon this upcoming year of service, our year begins July 1. As we embark upon this upcoming year of service, it will be beneficial for us to allow God's Word to give us instruction regarding service, and then to have a time of dedication and commitment as we offer ourselves into the area of service we have accepted to be a part of. And I want you to notice with me from Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse number 6. And the Lord said, If ye had faith, as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say to him by and by, when he is come from the field, Go and sit down to meet? And will not rather say to him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. 
So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Now, as I read this passage, you may have wondered, Pastor Dan, what is the connection between verse 6, when Jesus stated, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say to the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey thee. What is the connection between this and verses 7 through 10? Well, the words of Jesus recorded in Luke 17, verses 6 through 10, were spoken after the disciples made a request of him. And the request is preserved in verse number 5. They came to Jesus, and this is what they requested. The apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And so on the heels of this, Jesus spoke these words that I just read to us. There is a very valuable lesson in this passage for every individual who desires to be a true servant of God. So that you and I might look at our service as a privilege and not as an obligation. And so the lesson we learn is this. Faith enables and qualifies us to do our duty as servants. May I repeat that lesson? Hold on to it. It's very important. Faith enables and qualifies us to do our duty as servants. As we look at verses 7 through 10, there are several points that reach out and grasp our attention, but I only have time in this presentation to touch base on three of them. Number one, Jesus deals with the servant-master relationship. Look again at Luke 17, verses 7 through 9. He poses two questions. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat? And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till all have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? And then he says, I think not. Very plainly, Jesus was emphasizing that a servant was to serve the master. Will you agree with me on that? And so he is dealing with a relationship a servant-master relationship. Later, the Apostle Paul would address this relationship on a number of occasions. But I just want you to notice one passage with me, found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and then I want you to notice how this relationship was to exist. He said, do it in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, and underscore this, doing the will of God from the heart. 
with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Now, how are they to function as servants? We read again. And same lives the heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as a service of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with good will, doing service as unto the Lord and not to men. Underscore. For the rest of your life and living, these words, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And so, in this physical lesson that Paul was sharing with the church at Ephesus, this master-servant relationship, this servant-master relationship, there is a spiritual lesson also communicated. And it's very plain. And not only this passage, but in other passages, that only as there is an increase in faith can this practice be a reality. Now, you don't have to do it that right now, but when you go home, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and look at the context of these words. The context of this message, this servant-master relationship, is the context of the whole armor of God. And what is one of the vital components of the whole armor of God? The shield of what? The shield of faith. In fact, when you look at the whole armor of God, everything that is involved in the whole armor of God is designated for one purpose. And that is to give us instruction how we can better relate to one another. Relationships. Next up, I will start a series of sermons on relationships. Living life relationally with one another. And so, if you and I are going to not only understand in our mind and heart, but also practice a beneficial servant-master relationship, we need to ask, as did the disciples, Lord, increase our faith. Because, I don't know about you, but I do know about me. In myself, I would not execute myself in this kind of relationship. It can only be done through faith in Jesus the Christ. Second point, we are unprofitable servants. Look again at Luke 17 and verse 10. And I want you to notice how Jesus shifts, if you will, emphasis here. He has used a physical illustration to bring to the surface a spiritual application. And so he says, and likewise ye. So he's just dealt with the servant-master relationship, and now he is going to use that in a spiritual application so that we can better understand the servant-master relationship. And he says, so likewise ye, Danny Gerard, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, this is what you're to say. We are unprofitable servants. Now, don't raise your hands. Don't nod. Don't grind. Don't groan. But have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror? And said to yourself, Self, I am an unprofitable servant. <laughs> you see, that goes against the grain of the natural ego, doesn't it? This passage regarding our acknowledgement of being unprofitable servants literally means in the original that we deserve no special commendation. 
And so I want to read this verse again and insert those words. So likewise ye, when you have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we deserve no special commendation. Am I smiling? See you, I love you. But my brothers and sisters, what I'm about to say is not meant to be critical, it's not meant to be judgmental, but there are some people, even some good people, some good church members, who seem to be confused on this matter. There are some people who are giving the impression that they want other people, and even God himself, to constantly patting them on the back and thanking them for what they do. I don't know about you, but I'm convicted in my intellect and I'm convinced in my emotion as a servant of God that I should be thanking God for the privilege of serving Him. And I should be thanking God for the privilege of serving one another. There is not a day that has passed since Rebecca and I, along with some of you dear church members, unloaded our moving van and we officially came to Pensacola, Florida on April the 27th. There has not been a day that's passed that I have not, I have not thanked God for the privilege of serving as your pastor. We are unprofitable servants. You and I are worthy only through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are worthy only as we have placed our faith in Christ and made a commitment to Him being the master of our lives and of our living. And is there anyone among us who would dare believe in mind and heart and broadcast with lips and life that we are worthy to be counted a servant of God? You see, our attitude must be that of the Apostle Paul and of every other dedicated servant down to the years. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. I love how he starts this passage. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and injurious. That's what Paul was. Then he says, but... I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And underscore these next words. And the grace, now what does grace mean? Unmerited favor. Paul didn't deserve it. Pastor David doesn't deserve it, and neither do you deserve it. He said, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That wonderful old hymn wasn't around at that time, but if it had been, I believe Paul about that time would have broke out singing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch Lie to me. You see, he did not deserve it. It was only by God's amazing grace. And then he continued. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You see, Paul reflects the spirit of a true servant of God. When he stated that it was only through Christ that he was worthy 
Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing. Can I say it again? I have nothing. Can I say it one more time? I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. And so the question I'm asking myself and I'm asking you is this. Is this how I feel? And is this how you feel about what we are doing? Do we have the spirit of the Apostle Paul? Third point. We have only done that which is our duty to do. Luke chapter 17 and verse 10. So likewise ye, when ye have, shall have done all those things which are commanded you, this is what you should say, we have done that which was our duty to do. My brothers and sisters, our service, my service, and your service must be motivated by a profound sense of duty to our Master, Jesus Christ. Just as the service of the Apostle Paul and other, every other dedicated servant displayed, certain things are part of the ministry described for every member of our University Parkway ministry team. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. It is ethical for every one of us who would be serving to execute these things in the spirit of this verse. Because of the position in which you and I will be functioning, certain things are and certain things will be expected of us. Are you with me? You still here? And again I say, it is ethical that each one of us execute these things in the spirit of this verse. Let me read it again. So likewise ye, when you shall have done all those things which are commanded of you, say, we have done that which was our duty to do. As your pastor, certain things are expected of me. As your pastor, it is my duty to function in certain ways. And a part of my ministry description as part of our team is expressed in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And God gave some pastors. Now, why did God give the church pastors? You ever asked that question? Did God give the church pastors to do all the preaching? Did God give the church pastors to do all the visiting? Did God give the, pastor, the church pastor to, to mow the lawn and to dust the furniture and make sure that paper towels are in the restrooms. Why did God give pastors to the church? Look at it. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen to me carefully. A part of my duty as your pastor is to assist you in being as efficient and effective as you can possibly be in your position of service. Are you listening to me? Those of you that are getting to know me are finding out that I believe in organization. I believe in things being done decently and in order. 
Because as a pastor, that is part of my duty. You see, when I look at you, I do not see a single one of you that I want to see fail. I don't want to see a single one of you come short of, of God's expectation for you and, and this church's expectation for you. Because when you succeed, I succeed. Because we are a team. And there will be times when I will come to you and, and I will have to say maybe something I would rather not say. But I will be praying that God will give me grace to say it in. In a loving, concerned manner. And there will also be times when I will come to you and I will not be praising you, but I will be affirming you. I will be thanking you for what you are doing. You see, that's part of my duty as your pastor. Now, the Bible does not outline all the duties of every person who will be serving as part of our University Parkway ministry team. The Bible doesn't do that. But we do have a church manual. Okay. A church manual. A church manual that gives us beneficial, insightful guidelines as to how we can function not only as a local team, but also as a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Christian Church. And it is our duty. It's our duty. It's our duty to faithfully follow these ministry guidelines. Elders. Deacons. Deaconesses. The church clerk, the church treasurer, the greeters, Sabbath school leaders, fact finder director, and I could go down the entire list. We, irregardless of what capacity we are serving in, our philosophy must be we are doing what is our duty to do. And as we serve together, I am challenging myself and I am challenging us as a team to claim Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 as never before. Because as we claim these verses, we can be assured of continued success in Christ. Okay. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. You see, we are not going to be serving as isolated entities. We are going to be serving as a team, jointly fitted together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. You see, you have things that you can contribute that I do not have. Our first elder, Brother Wiff, has things that he can contribute that I, as your pastor, cannot contribute. Every one of us have a role to play. And as we are fitly joined together and compacted together, and every aspect of every joint supplies what's needed, According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make it increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. See, that's God's design, and that's God's desire for us to increase unto the edifying of itself in love. And I believe with all my mind and all my heart that this type of dedication that we're talking about today. It's not outlandish. It's our reasonable service. And the result of having our faith increased. And so we need to be asking, Lord, increase our faith.
In just a few moments, we're going to have a prayer dedication. We're going to ask all of those who will be serving in any capacity for this upcoming year, would you come and gather around the front of the altar? You're pressing as close as you can. Brothers and sisters, as you are standing here at this altar, I am pledging myself afresh in you to every one of you. You are my kind of people, and I count it great joy to be part of the team. I'm going to ask the church members now who are yet remaining. If you would like to come and press in close behind these as a sign of your willingness to support this team, would you come? What a beautiful sight of heaven's view. Before we pray, I want to encourage each church member who of our family to spend time in prayer. And if God's sweet Holy Spirit impresses upon your mind and your heart an area of service, let me know about it. There is a place for all of us. I'm going to ask you to reach out and take hold of somebody's hand and maybe lay your hand on their shoulder. I'm going to come down and join hands with Brother Beth. And we're going to offer ourselves fresh and new as vessels into the Master's hand. For those of you that are given in the congregation, maybe you just like to extend your hand in this direction. Heavenly Father, as we stand at this altar, we say with our lips what needs to be said. We are unworthy. We don't deserve it. But Father, we thank you for not only calling us, we thank you for choosing us. Because you tell us in your word that many are called, but few are chosen. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being part of the chosen. And in saying this, Lord, we are confessing that we know that this doesn't make us any more special than anybody else. Because it's only through Jesus is it possible. And Father, we are standing at this altar to make a dedication of ourselves to the task that we have been called to serve in. And may our attitude ever be, I'm going to do what's my duty to do. I'm not going to shirk, I'm not going to shun any responsibilities. I may not understand everything I'm asked to do or the way that I'm asked to do it in, but Lord, this is your work. And so, I am resolving to make myself available so that your work will flourish. Your kingdom will come in the earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, here are my eyes, here's my mouth, here's my ears, my hands, my feet, my heart, my silver, my gold. All that I am, I'm surrendering afresh and anew right now to you. Use me for your glory and your honor. So that soon and very soon, the work can be finished, not only here, in Pensacola, Florida, but around the world. And Jesus will come to take us home. Oh Lord, I'm praying especially this morning or this afternoon, early now, for our school year that's about to begin. Oh Lord, I thank you for the teachers and the leaders in our school that are making such a contribution to the lives of our, our children. Lord, you know that there's so much to be done in the next few days, so we're lifting them up. Pray that you will give them all of the wisdom and all of the physical strength that they need. Bind us together, Lord, 
bind us together in love. Because there's only one God. There's only one King. There's only one body. And we're glad that we're part of the family of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this time of surrender and dedication. And we take it to heart and mind with great joy. And may we ever be resounding. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the privilege to serve. Because service is such a grand privilege. In Jesus' name, and all the Lord's children said, Amen. Amen.